Hello, I'm Ryan Boll, a Stratfor Middle East and North Africa analyst at RAIN. This podcast is brought to you by RAIN Worldview, the world's leading geopolitical intelligence platform. Learn more at worldview.stratfor.com. Welcome to RAIN's Essential Geopolitics Podcast. I'm Emily Donahue. The U.S., U.K., Canada, and Australia are among several countries that have declared a diplomatic boycott of the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympics. That means no government officials will attend the Games. Athletes from those countries will compete, however. The boycott has grabbed headlines, as did the treatment of the female Chinese tennis star that prompted it. Both events demonstrate how Western businesses will have to navigate the increased media scrutiny over China's human rights issues. I'm joined now by Asia-Pacific analyst at RAIN, Chase Blazik. Welcome to the podcast, Chase. Good to talk to you again, Emily. Why consider human rights issues from a business perspective? Well, this is something that keeps on sort of uh, biting Western companies, right, is there was Xinjiang cotton back in March um, when Western media outlets got a hold of uh, human rights abuses uh, in Xinjiang that, that China was committing, and they, they had a heyday with it, right? And then China had its own media heyday. So uh, increasingly, Western companies are kind of in between a rock and a hard place with media from China and the West, their their own home countries, uh pressing them about human rights uh, questions and abuses. And in general, foreign companies can't fix these issues. Uh, They don't have much policy influence in China. Uh, But what they can do is have these sorts of contingency plans uh, for this media scrutiny when it inevitably does come on certain of these human rights issues. Um, And they can have knowledge of these human rights issues uh, prior to them arising rather than seeing the front page news and saying, oh dear, it seems we have to deal with something about some human rights issue I haven't heard of. Um, And this is critical for China because it's an inherently risky market, but also high reward, which is why companies are there. So this knowledge is incredibly valuable. Um, And I did want to split it sort of into two areas of how China deals with human rights issues, just in order to, to, uh, to edify and to make companies aware of the main types of human rights issues that could pop up in the media, including uh, government minority relations and social movements in China. Can you talk to me a little bit about how China deals with its minority populations? Yeah, to put it short, it's a data-fueled assimilation policy um, with sometimes uh, forceful measures uh, related to education and stamping out uh, certain activities that don't align with Beijing's goals. Um, these these methods are much more forceful in less developed areas like Xinjiang, which most people have heard of, uh, the internment camps, um, labor camps, as, as some have called them, but also in Tibet, um, where there's uh, boarding schools most children have to go to where they get limited access to their parents and are generally fed what can only be described as propaganda and, and um encouraged to inform on um, distrustful um, peers or untrusted peers and and family members who are not abiding by state policies. And then in Inner Mongolia, you've got similar, um, though a little bit less intense issues going on around education and what language uh, folks teach in, uh, which brings about protests in the area. So these sorts of assimilation policies are pretty common in the inland areas of China that are mainly minority populated. Uh, the Gansu province, Qinghai, Ningxia, areas like this. Um, there is also issues uh, around 
minority of people who are uh, involved in religious activities in China. Um, in early December, Xi Jinping uh, hosted the first National Religious Work Conference in five years, in which uh, he and those convened um, encouraged uh, religious leaders to subjugate their religion to political goals, uh, be politically reliable amongst their leaders, and to, quote-unquote, self-manage which is basically trying to breed overcompliance with government government mandates about putting politics ahead of religion, and this targets uh, Xinjiang Uyghur Muslims, but also Tibetan Buddhists, uh, underground Christians, and even local indigenous uh, religions. Um, the point of all this for companies is one to be aware of these issues before they pop up, and to Two, know the the methods by which these are enforced, and that often involves the police and the Ministry of Public Security uh, with enforcing um, suppressing of dissidents, uh, enforcing those who are not abiding by assimilation plans in these areas um, to keep domestic stability, as Beijing would term it, in these in these more turbulent areas of China. That's why it's pretty inadvisable for Western companies to have really anything to do with the Chinese police or Ministry of Public Security. We've heard over the years about China's handling of its minority groups. How does Beijing handle other social movements in society? Right. Generally, the same movements that are going on all over the world are happening in China as well. Uh, women's rights movements, LGBTQ movements. The difference is Beijing has pretty thoroughly squashed these. Um, they're popular in society. Citizens are increasingly jumping on board with these movements. Um, but the state has been pretty effective in co-opting uh, tech companies to um, silence these groups, uh, censor them, arrest their leaders, um, and in general, make sure these stories don't see much light of day. We saw that recently with the uh, Chinese tennis player, Peng Shuai, who made a sexual assault allegation against a top Chinese official and was, to put it shortly, disappeared um, for a number of weeks, which grew a lot of uh, media scrutiny in the West about the Olympics coming up, uh, the, the Beijing Olympics. Similarly, we saw last week Alibaba, the major tech company in China, uh, fired a female uh, employee who made a sexual assault allegation against her manager. Um, they also followed, fired the manager and fired 10 people who forwarded the story around work. So in general, trying to silence these stories and not bring humiliation on the companies. So from a government and a private standpoint, these issues are not well treated in China. And Beijing, um, the government at least, is trying to push its own cultural conservatism on the people. This shows up in, in uh, ads and TV and movies, trying to push actors, uh, men to be masculine, women to be feminine, uh, and also comes up in demographic issues with Beijing pushing women to have more children because China's population is starting to peak, which comes after decades of telling women not to have children. Um, so these issues are generally not going well uh, in China, and they can um, have a sort of spark like Peng Shui did that hits the global media. The other side of these social movements is uh, labor rights. Most uh, Western companies that have any sort of factory work in China are likely employing a plurality, if not a majority, rural migrant workers. 
these are folks who come in from the, the sticks, so to speak, the rural areas of China to work in the big cities to get good jobs. Um, but because of labor movement restrictions in China, they have few rights for land, housing, education, health care, and other social services, and to boot, usually low pay. Um, so companies should be aware that a majority of their workers in factories are likely coming from this demographic. Um, now, the state has made some progress in improving their labor situation, but it's slow going. Uh, these sorts of labor concerns also extend to uh, wealthier jobs, so to speak, like in tech. We've we've heard of uh, 996 where workers are, uh, tech workers are working 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., six days a week. And there's a lot of mental health and suicide issues associated with that that generally get swept under the rug, even though, again, Beijing is trying, uh, though I would say losing this battle to, to stop these practices. Um, overall, what these social movements mean for Western companies especially if they have connections to tech companies uh, in China, is they should assume these tech companies are uh, complicit with China's silencing of, of problematic groups uh, like women's uh, activists, um, like labor groups, and leaking data to the government and public security authorities um, to sometimes put these folks in jail or, or at least just silence them. Now, these tech companies don't always want to do this in China, but often they have no choice. So it's another issue that Western companies need to be aware of. Uh, it's not quite as hard and faster rule, as I would say, the rule about not having anything to do with the police. Um, but it is a rule that you should do some due diligence and be very careful in your relations with uh, Chinese tech companies uh, as a Western company. And um, as a last note, which is sort of outside of social movements and minority groups, I would say that companies, Western companies operating in China should be highly aware of what's happening at their local branches um, in China. And this is less a matter of human rights abuses than um, just different uh, standards of activities that they might not know about. Um, we, we saw this back in, in March when certain Western companies, uh, their headquarters in the West said, no, we have nothing to do with labor abuses in Xinjiang. And furthermore, we criticize China for, for doing these things in, in Xinjiang. But they had local branches who said, we support Xinjiang and all products coming out of Xinjiang. So there's this, this uh, difference there um, that caught companies by surprise. And it's because a lot of times local companies are under a lot of pressure from political groups uh, to say the right things when human rights issues uh, come about. Um, so uh, a little bit of work by companies to make sure messaging is consistent can go a long way uh, or at least help local employees uh, and the local branches of companies know how to deal with these issues uh, when they arise. Chase Blazik is Stratfor Asia Pacific Analyst at Rain. Thanks, Chase. Thank you, Emily. You can learn more about China's economic development and its place as a driver of global geopolitics with Rain Worldview, powered by Stratfor. Right now, we have a special subscription offer. Go to stratfor.com for details. That's stratfor.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.